Welcome to the People and Technology Podcast. My name's David Gazzarotto and uh, I'm here at the Contingent Worker Conference in Sydney um, with my partner in crime, Jared Cameron. Welcome, Jared. Hey, Dave. We're uh, nearing lunchtime. Yes, I can feel the rumbles. Yeah. The rumble tummies. Um, and we have with us uh, Richard Barnett from Hayes Talent Solutions. Great to have you here, Richard. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Jared. Nice to be here. Nice to have the opportunity to chat. So. Yeah. Excellent. So you're, M- you're emceeing the conference. Yep. Um, but before we get on to all things to do with the conference, yep. uh, just uh, give us the rundown on Hayes Talent Solutions because we obviously know the Hayes brand name. Yep. Uh, but specifically the Talent Solutions. Yeah, certainly, Dave. Um, Hayes globally has two main brands. So it has the Hayes Recruitment Agency business, which is one of the world's really huge recruitment organisations. We place about a 1,000 people a day into new jobs. Um, Then we have the area I work in, which is Hayes Talent Solutions, and the Hayes Talent Solutions business is the area that runs outsourced recruitment programs for around about 150 clients globally. And what that means is we put teams of people who work on-site with organisations and we run their entire um, contingent or permanent recruitment function, sometimes both. Right. So you you are looking at the total workforce, not just the contingent component? Yeah, look, the different programs have different constituent parts. So Mm -hmm. some are just contingent, some are just permanent, some are both. And... um, you know, there's, there's a multitude of different models, but essentially it's a, uh, a managed service similar to an IT outsource or any other outsource service where instead of the organisation providing that function internally, they partner with an expert in the area and yep. get that expert to run it. Right. What's some of the motivations, Richard, for an organisation to go down the managed service path over doing it themselves? That's a really good question, Jared. I, I think it's similar to other areas of outsourcing that um, organisations typically want to focus on their core business yeah. and leave a non-core function to an expert in that area. And if that expert can deliver a service that's better and cheaper than the organisation can do themselves, then it really makes (laughs) uh, a lot of sense for them to do that. So, you know, that's the value proposition really is Mm. to say, can you deliver recruitment better and cheaper than an organisation can do it themselves? And they they can therefore focus on whatever their core business is. And I guess having, um, you're often working on site, aren't you? So you've got teams that are actually sitting there amongst the sort of the rest of the HR community potentially. And how do you, do you you find that you, do you you rotate staff around? Like how do you sort of, how do you avoid? I mean, we're we're a consulting business ourselves, and how do, sometimes spending a long time in one location can be hard for some people. And do you find that you need to rotate people? And yeah, that's a good question. And we do. Um, I suppose Hayes as a recruitment agency, so our sister organisation. Mm. Just as an example, we have eleven hundred staff in Australia, wow. so it's quite a. Um, a good pool of people who've got a background in recruitment but maybe want to work closer with a client and be yeah. based in an on-site. Yeah. So we often source people for the programs who've already been working mm. for the Hayes Recruitment Agency business um, as, a, as, a, as a good source of talent early on. But rotating people around different programs, we try to do fairly regularly, both yeah. particularly for new programs. It's important to get people in who've been involved in managed programs for yeah. another client when they're starting off a new client so mm. that they can share all of the knowledge of what works, what doesn't work in a 
uh, in, in a new, more challenging environment. Excellent. So you, you guys, you're the event partner here for yep. the conference, and yep. I've um, I've seen you buzzing up and down the stage as the MC. Yep. Um, just talk to talk to us a little bit about the history you've had with this event, and and I guess the the vibe of the event itself. Yeah, sure. We uh, have been event partner for the ATC contingent conference for several years, mm. and it's it's a really close association. ATC run a whole series of events during the year looking at different parts of talent and, and recruitment. Mm. This one is particularly close to our heart. We run uh, about 20 big programs across Australia and New Zealand, so mm. we're forever setting up new clients and looking at how to improve the ones we're already supplying, and this is a really good way to get the message out, obviously, to attendees about what we do, but also to network with other yeah. vendors and new technology providers, for instance, um, invite clients along so they can learn about what else is out there. Mm. So uh, it's it's a good long-term partnership. Yep. We uh, have been the lead sponsor or event partner, as I said, um, and therefore that gives us an ability to help shape the content of the yeah. conference as well, yeah. which you're not there just as an attendee. You, you've mm. got a more strategic involvement. More in, of a in bigger role to, in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. trying to shape how it looks in the future. Yep. Have you seen certain sort of um, topics or trends sort of starting to come into focus? Are there, are there hot topics that you're finding this year that maybe weren't around a couple of years ago? Yeah, several, Jared. Um, recruitment technology, definitely. Uh, there's an absolute plethora of new recruitment tech in the marketplace, mm. and every one of these is new vendors with great products. Mm. So that, that sort of easy entry innovative technology that people can get to market quickly and mm. solve different parts of the supply chain for contingent labour. That's a, a real emerging technology yeah. trend. It's exciting times, isn't it? Yeah, whereas, you know, 15, 20 years ago to produce a you know, recruitment database was a really expensive, complex piece of work that would mm. take ages. Some of these solutions are out to market in a pretty quick period of time yep. with relatively low startup costs so that's one we're seeing a lot of interest in the management of uh, service providers and statement of work providers supplying mm. people into clients to work on a day rate but not through the recruitment agency model right so that's a, a real area where organizations have tightened up their control of contingent labour recruitment through mm. recruitment agencies, right. it's seen a, um, a bubble burst out where organisations are going out to, if you like, professional services businesses and IT, particularly IT consulting organisations mm. to get staff augmentation services in um, through a different source. Yeah. So it's how organisations keep track of how much spend is happening in those areas mm-hmm. and you know get visibility on it. Yeah, so so that's kind of as opposed to having more independent contractors coming through agency models. Is that the yeah yeah? It's 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 an alternative Mm. um, supply route, which in some of the organisations that we're talking to, uh, the organisations are spending as much or more on getting non-permanent labour through services companies as Mm. they are through contracting agencies. Right, and you know that can be a, Mm. a huge 
area of hidden spend that organisations want to get under control. Yep. Yeah, fair enough too. I mean, yep. <clears throat> I guess you um, you can end up in a position where if you're a manager and you've got a need and you've got to try and solve it, you, know, you sometimes will do whatever it takes to solve that need. And so uh, I think controlling the spend has got to be a big driver here. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion actually at this conference about having a total view of your workforce. Mm and understanding that your contingent labour is a, is, a, is a big part of that. You know, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, in, in, the, in the world of Hayes, obviously um, Hayes Talent Management, <laughs> sorry, Hayes get talent it right, solutions. Talent Come Solutions, on. get that one right. Um, what sort of split do you find between contingent versus permanent? Is it, are you finding that, is, it, is, it, is there a bigger focus on contingent happening now? Is, it, is that changing at all? Look, I would say, and you'd understand this, organisations typically spend a lot more money on contingent labour yeah. than they do on recruiting permanent staff. So although mm. obviously you pay wages to permanent staff when they're on board, yep. the expenditure on contractors can commonly be 50 60 $100 million a year, even for a not particularly huge organisation. Right. So the people who, who look mm. at that amount of spend and say, I'll give you an example. We're dealing with a, an organisation in Sydney at the moment. They are, they're spending $120 million a year on contingent labour. Mm. Their procurement lead said, if we can save 5% on that, that's mm. a decent amount of money. And what could we do to make yeah. those economies? So I think the focus is typically more on contingent because the dollars are bigger. Yeah. It's front and centre, isn't it? Yeah. It's in your face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's also, um, I think, and we've had this discussion with several other um, yeah. uh, folk that we've interviewed as well, about you've got that quantitative aspect, which you've just described, you know, there's financial, there's efficiencies yep. we can create in better models of, yep. of, from a financial aspect. But there's also a growing trend towards wanting the quality to improve as well. Yep. Um, what, what is it that you guys are doing to, to help your clients um, get access to better quality resources in the contingent pool? I'll answer that in a sec. I, mm. I think there's also the factor that we typically get challenged around what we call time to fill. Mm-hmm. So yep. time to fill yeah. in our world is the time between a requisition for a contractor being approved by mm. a manager and an offer being accepted. Mm-hmm. So um, how long does that process take? Yep. And typically organisations use a contractor for a an immediate need, mm. so they want a short time to fill. Of course, yeah. And so that's that's probably the second biggest challenge yep. over cost containment is how can we engage people quicker mm. and then the quality is, is very closely entwined with that, how yep. we ensure the quality. What we try to do with the programs that we run, Dave, is mm. build what we call a talent community, mm-hmm. so a talent pool of pre-qualified candidates yep. who have been evaluated in a number of ways depending on the job area they're mm. in, mm. but that then becomes the first port of call for new roles, and that could be alumni, so people who've contracted to the client previously, yep. have got good results, good references, it could be... Um, people that we've had working on other yeah. Hayes Talent Solutions programs could be people that we've just evaluated through a variety of assessment tools. Yep. So when a client comes in with a vacancy, they want a short time to fill. If we can fill it with somebody that we already know is good, mm, mm. it's a lot better than going out advertising and starting the process from scratch each time. Sure. And um, I guess therein lies the value of having a partner like Hayes Talent Solutions. Look, one of those partners, um, I think going back to what I talked about earlier, mm. um, 
if we can do that better than an organisation can do it themselves, yeah. provide access to the latest tech innovations and the mm. best practice, then that gives them the ability to focus efforts on the stuff that they do. Yeah. And I'd, again, without mentioning a specific client, there's mm. an organisation we commenced an MSP program with early 2016. Mm. Um, and that's it's a mid-size, so they've got a shade over 500 contractors, mm. so it's you know a reasonable number. Mm. Um, and their objective was to reduce the amount of money they were spending on agency fees and to improve time to fill. Mm-hmm. And just to put some scale around it, within three months, we'd reduced the agency margin spend by 48%. Wow. So an almost half reduction in the amount they were spending on agency fees and we reduced the time to fill from a target of 10 days to three days. Wow. Wow. So, you know, that's a fairly... It's a compelling compelling story. Now, Mm. you don't necessarily keep incremental improvements once you've Mm. got the program up Mm. and running, but you can continue to make improvements... um, around those figures up to an optimum point um, and then maintain that optimum point. Mm. Mm. So it just gives you a sense of if you you can deliver that... Yeah. Mm. Um, it's it's a, certainly something that's worth looking at seriously. Yes, yeah, so there must be a lot of low hanging fruit around um, you know the existing models you know, that you can. Is it just you know things like the as you say the agency spends they they can get out of hand because it just continues to um, doesn't have the controls around it. So putting in more specific structure and process around you know, yeah. where you get where yeah. you source your Look, workers. I, I think the the MSP market in Mm. Australia really commenced in the financial services sector. Mm -hmm. So um, the big financial services companies have got pretty mature second, third, fourth generation programs. So most of that has been done that's going to be done. Mm. Um, There are still organisations that haven't. Mm. Uh, The organisations that are now looking at other sectors and also um, the sort of medium-sized organisations that spend a lot of money as a proportion of what they spend on everything on labour, but mm. it's not necessarily hundreds of millions. Yep. Um, so I think the the low-hanging fruit is typically achieved where you've got an organisation that has a lot of expensive white-collar contractors. Mm. They have an unregulated supply chain, so yeah. they maybe have you know 50 agencies supplying people. There's mm. no standardisation and rates and margins. Yep. And that... Um, allows organisations to basically charge whatever they like. There's no visibility mm. on who's on site, who's not. So there's yeah. some risk components and you, you blend all of that in together to get yeah. visibility of who you've got, how much they're costing you, the hours that they're working mm. um, and whether they've been onboarded correctly and given the right inductions. Yep. Just from a low-hanging fruit perspective, you go from before to after mm. and you achieve all of those things that's a real step change mm. yeah for sure so Richard would as as the as the service that you provide customers would that be likened to a you know we've heard a few people talk about a contingent management organization a CMO yeah, or yeah. is that is it is that a, is it similar language is that a way to yeah, think about yeah, it yeah um, so CMO uh, and these terms um, get used so mm. in in our terminology we'd say a contractor management organisation, CMO. Yeah. So we provide 
CMO services is an integral part it's of a all of the, of the MSPs. Offering. Yeah, right. Okay. And I suppose to clarify that, CMO is generally the onboarding payroll of and offboarding of contingent workers. Right. So organisations that just provide a CMO don't have anything to do with the actual recruitment of the those people. Of them. They so just manage them. Yeah, they just yeah. manage them. Okay. Um, and MSP, such as Haystown Solutions, we do the upfront strategy around sourcing, the sourcing, then the payroll the management, management as well. and then the offboarding as well. So we it's do a sort of an end-to-end service. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. No, that's all right. That's good. <laughs> yeah. that's I was, good. It, was, it was scratching my brain on it and trying to work it out how it all fits together, so it's really yeah. helpful. And we've got, a very, we've got a broad audience on this podcast too, so it's a very educated audience in the actual conference itself. Yeah. But there's a lot of listeners out there that some of these acronyms are a bit, you know. Well, the other one that often people get confused about is VMS, mm. so Vendor Management System, mm. and um, people think, oh, the Vendor Management System is the MSP, yeah. and Vendor Management System is just the technology enabler as part of the MSP solution. And, um, you know, it's once you get your head around that, there's there's a number of vendor management system products in the marketplace. Mm. They all broadly aim to do the same thing, Mm -hmm. but uh, they're the enablers to run the the program. And as the name suggests, you use them to manage the vendors. Mm So manage the suppliers and manage the services companies. It's more of a procurement bent, really. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it manages timesheets, manages invoicing, mm. reporting, mm. Um, uh, performance appraisal records. So, yeah. you know, that's the repository for if somebody's done a good job, you can then access it again. Even if their previous manager's no longer with the company, there'll be a record of... Yeah, that's did, helpful. Yeah, yeah, did that person do a good job? Yeah, because, I mean, we have heard a bit about the sort of divide sometimes between how contingent workers are treated sometimes differently to employees yeah. and it's the what I'm hearing in this conference is progressively that's becoming less common more and more they're starting to get treated more similar as one workforce so I can see the benefit in, in actually being able to take that information with you especially as you're travelling between you know different potential employers as well and yeah. you know you, that's something you miss out as a contingent worker sometimes. You don't have that performance process or the learning or yeah, career you development know. you know. Yeah it's, it's missing it's, right. It's in your own hands but it's really, you're bouncing from gig to gig, really, and, and trying to build your career portfolio and experience yeah, that it, way. It's a really interesting question, Dave, and mm. it, it comes up a lot. Mm. Um, you know, what services do you provide to contingent workers? Yeah. And I've looked back over maybe 20 years of really detailed surveys of contractor populations mm. of what they want. Yeah. And... and this is not a scoop or anything exclusive, <laughs> but I think it's really telling. Um, inevitably, in every single survey, there are two things that they want, and then there's daylight to number three and beyond. And the two things people want, number one in every single survey, is to be paid accurately on, on, on time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And number two is to have help finding a new job when the old job finishes. Right. Yep. And... Beyond that, salary packaging and a range of other benefits, Mm. uh, I I think there's an interesting observation Mm. where we ask people the question, do you value the salary packaging options that we provide Mm. or the free training that we provide to contractors? You'll get a very high rating where people value it. If you then say, do you use it, the rating is usually 
lower. So people like the theory of it being available, but they don't necessarily Mm. take it up busy or or it's just not relevant for their particular situation. So I think our our view is we we pay um, a weekly payroll within a couple of days to uh, 19,000 Australian New Zealand workers a week. So in your bank account, exactly when you want it, with a very, very high degree of accuracy, Mm. and we really try and find people a new job at the time that they are moving on from the previous one. So I think if you can crack those two nuts, you Mm. you keep most people pretty happy, Mm. and the other stuff is is there for the people who do want to utilise Um, but the question about whether they're deemed permanent employees, um, mm. that, that's more an issue for the host employer, so the, for the, the, the client, right. um, how they incorporate and recognise contractors. And I think there's, the, there's a lot of subtleties around what you can't, can and can't do in that mm. area. And that's, that's particular to our market, yeah. right? So it's a, a product of regulatory and... Um, you know, unionised workforces and, and the like, uh, yeah. all impacting um, how we, you know, the constraints we have to manage the contingent workforce yeah. as well, which yeah. Um, yeah. creates that the, the need for some degree of separation as well. Look, I, I, I was asked on a ATC blog um, a little while mm. ago uh, to make some commentary around that, and I think some of the things organisations can learn from uh, to treat contractors well is. Uh, for example, the issue of compulsory stand-downs. Mm-hmm. So there are organisations historically that have, with very short notice, mm. said to contractors over the Christmas New Year period, yeah. you need to take, you know, many weeks of compulsory stand-down. Yeah. And the contractor population, I think, quite rightly says, we want to have holidays, mm. but don't give us three days notice mm. you know let us know in advance so we can plan a holiday yeah, plan affairs, yeah. and you know we'll we'll gladly take it mm. and it's that sort of approach that i think is a compromise between yeah. saving costs during quieter periods but not mm. giving people you know the news that they're not going to earn any money at all for mm. Mm. a number of weeks yep. without allowing them the chance to utilize that time off um yep. and that's not an expensive Exercise. Mm. It's more of a planning ahead exercise. Yep. So it's planning. But it's also there's an element of courtesy there too of treating yeah, no, for sure. with some degree of dignity just because they're not on your payroll. <laughs> and I think that you know the training and development aspect. Um, you know there are situations where you'll get better performance out of your investment in a contractor mm. if you give them a bit of training. Yep. Because they might be specific product knowledge that they mm. don't have or. Mm-hmm. You know, project management methodology that you use in your company. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I think there's a strong argument to invest in that contractor mm. to allow them to give you the best value for the money you're spending on them. Yeah, for sure. And I presume if, you, if you're making those investments, um, but you have better systems in place to ensure that you could keep that person in the fold, so yep. the talent communities approach that, that you've described yep. that you guys are using, um, means that that investment potentially will get used again and again and again. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas you might, in other contexts, have said, well, I don't really want to upskill this person so that they can wander off into the sunset and use it elsewhere. Oh, for sure, yeah. And there's a balance between yeah. that and there are organisations sometimes that provide more comprehensive training but expect the contractor to perhaps not charge full fees yeah. 
during the training period. So there's a bit of a, um, a compromise in terms of the investment being from both sides. So, um, but I think one of you mentioned it's also the responsibility of the contractor to keep their skills current and up it to is. date. Mm. Very much so, I think. Yeah. Right. It is. Yeah. Richard, it's been great chatting to you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's really enjoyed learned, it. Learned a lot about actually, yeah. you know, Hayes Talent Solutions and, and, and what you guys do in yep. the market and, and sort of the role you play. So, and, you know, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, it's a pleasure. Thank I, you, you for the opportunity. You've got to get back up on stage yeah, soon, I guess, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> After lunch. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, looking forward to that and, and the afternoon sessions. So, uh, look, thank you for the opportunity and uh, happy to chat again okay. at some stage in the future. Look forward to it. Thanks, Cheers. mate. Thanks, Cheers. guys. Cheers. Cheers.